You don't have to be rolled into an operating room to get a scientific clean. You can just get your morning coffee or bottomless breadsticks or celebrate 10 years together. Because the scientific expertise that helps operating rooms stay clean helps restaurants too. Look for the Ecolab Science Certified Seal where you dine. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by Black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth, and you're listening to Go Ask Alley, where this season I ask the question, how to grow a teenager in a pandemic? I'm particularly excited about today because I am diving into social media and teenagers in the pandemic. I think in this in this new normal, uh, social media is kind of devouring everybody's life. We're all scrolling and looking and posting and liking. There's nothing else to do. My guest today is Dr. Yelda Ools. Before we start chatting, I have gotten the biggest get, as they call it, in the entertainment world. It's not Beyonce. It's my daughter, Elliot Stephanopoulos. Woo! That's right. <laughs> After many publicists and agents and blackmailing, I finally got her on my show. I'm talking about growing a teenager in a pandemic, and you are a teenager in a pandemic, and you're my teenager in a pandemic. So you I'm your be, first teenager. You're my first one, yes. So Elliot, what are one of the things that you hate about when people generalize your generation? Ooh, there's a lot of things I hate about the generalizations people make about Gen Z. Um, I really like the reputation that we're rising up and being activists. That's something I strongly believe in and relate to. I feel like teenagers in general, and especially now, get no credit for how hard we're working. And being a teenager is hard. You're in school. You have a lot to worry about your future. You have a lot to regret about your past. You have a lot to think about in the present. Um, and you're, you don't know who you are and you're questioning that. So I wish people were less judgy on teenagers and I wish that more people remembered what they were like as teenagers, but not put that on other people because people will think of their one experience as a teenager and assume every teenager is like that. You're absolutely right. Which I don't think is fair. And I also think like you've said, oh, I'm worried about social media that my kids aren't going to have empathy. They're not going to know how to look people in the eye. But that's not social media's fault. That's how you're raised and what your manners are and what your social skills are, which varies for everyone. So I just think this narrative that technology is ruining our children should be stopped. I'm not saying at all that technology can be so bad and social media can be so bad. But we also have to think, isn't it so nice that there's ways for people to find community and there's ways to connect with people all over the world? Yeah, I think you're right. Google. I, but I think that that's, that's because I didn't grow up with it. So it's an unknown to me. And usually unknowns in the world make us fearful. You know what I mean? You're the first generation to grow up with it. 
And so mm-hmm. I don't know how to parent social media. Yeah. Thank you, Elliot. I love you. You should be parenting me. You can say something back. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay, I'm Jeff, described- that's it. That's it. <laughs> I was just going to say that I was, I've always been described as like the mom figure in my friend group. Everyone's like, oh, you're such a mom. You're such a mommy. So I feel like I could raise you. Yeah, you probably could probably do a good job. But now on a more serious topic, I'm asking somebody that's a scientist and a researcher, Dr. Yelda Uhls, thank God to come in and help me unpack the pros and cons of social media and how much screen time these kids should be on. She is an award-winning child psychologist, a leading expert on how media affects children, and author of one of my favorite books, Media Moms and Digital Dads. Welcome, and I need you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. Um, Listen, I mean, social media was a uh, slippery slope before the pandemic, but now Mm -hmm. I'm finding that in a pandemic, a lot of rules are off. Um, parents don't know how much, how little, what to do. The digital revo- revolution grabbed a hold of our teens when it started. But now in the pandemic, I mean, have we completely lost them to the digital age? No, they're totally fine. And actually, frankly, the fact that they have social media is actually a saving grace during this time because it's so developmentally normal. And this is one of the few ways that they can safely socialize with their friends. So without social media, ironically, our children would be really suffering, especially tweens, teens, and emerging adults. I mean, actually teenage years now, by the way, the National Academy of Science says it goes all the way up to age 25. So teens to the age of 25 really Wait a second, (laughs) teenagers go to 25 now? Yeah, yeah. As your teens get older, you will see their brains. You can see the difference in their brains all the way up to 25. Okay, so so, so yeah. I now have teenagers till I'm till they're twenty five. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Woo! <laughs> up my meds for this. Um, so let's talk about the teenage brain for a second, because I think sort of the old school way of looking at childhood was, you know, baby, toddler, preteen, te- but the brain itself. There is medical reasons why teenagers react the way they do. And all of it is about the prefrontal cortex. Isn't that what you would say? What's yeah, how it's developing? Absolutely. Yep. And and with teenagers, I've certainly noticed with my girls, they're risk seekers mm-hmm. and they want reward. Mm-hmm. Now, would you say that that's kind of what propels them into their behavior, these two things? Yeah. I mean, and it's it's again, like it's our brain has adapted over thousands and thousands of years in reaction to our environment they need to leave our houses, right? And we don't understand having already successfully done it when when we had to leave, how scary that is. So for them to leave our houses, they need to be like, oh, I'm so excited, I'm ready for the risk and I'm ready for the reward. So it's actually making it easier for them to actually become adults the way that their brain has developed. So. This risk and reward to us just seems crazy, but to them, it's what they need. So what happens in a pandemic if your teen, and I'm saying if you have a child up to 25, can't leave the home right now? With, well, is then, there no risk or reward? 
Well, there's online risk and reward. Okay. There always is. And if your child is someone who would normally have offline risk and reward or or risky behavior, um, you know, there is lots of evidence that they will use the online world in the same way. So, you know, what do you mean? Like go to the dark web? Dark web. They could hack, you know, like that guy that just hacked all those Twitter accounts. You know, know, he had a problematic family life and he used, you know, the web and the tools there, but his life, I mean, he was like that in real life, right? Right. Right. So let me ask you a question. So if you had, let's say a teenager that was maybe prone to a lot of scary risk, yeah, maybe it was drugs or partying or stealing, whatever, whatever that looked like. Do you think during the pandemic that that was all channeled into a different way? Meaning like hacking and... and, Yeah, those underlying problems would need to be treated. There are, you know, addiction and online addiction. It's not really fully, the science isn't totally there, but there's good indication that a certain percentage do get addicted to video games or problematic internet behavior, Um, social media, girls, you know, girls, I'm sorry, it's gendered, use social media at a higher rate. So yeah, we're going to get into that, believe me. (laughs) We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges. So you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Simply by Frito-Lay. These days, you have a lot going on. But now, thanks to Simply by Frito-Lay, you have one less thing to worry about. So kick back and enjoy your favorite Frito-Lay snacks with ingredients to feel good about, like Simply Blue Corn Tostitos, Sea Salted Ruffles, and even White Cheddar Cheetos Puffs, all made with no artificial colors or flavors. Enjoy what you love and look for Simply Brand snacks online or at a store near you. Welcome back with more Go Ask Alley. So you quoted in your book that people just have this core desire to express who they are. Mark Zuckerberg quote, and I think that's true. And Mm -hmm. I think we just touched upon girls. And this is a fascinating area for me because I have two girls. And I spoke in an earlier podcast with Brooke Shields because she was fascinating to me because she was so sexualized as a Mm -hmm. young girl. You know, she played Mm -hmm. a prostitute at 12 years old in a film. And, and so now she's got teenage girls. And I said, well, how are you, how are you coping with that? And how are you setting rules for that? Because, you know, you were pretty baby, you know, you were in blue lagoon with your boobies hanging out. Now, how can you possibly tell your teenage daughters, you can't do this. And it was an interesting discussion, but I'm happy to have an expert on to kind of discuss this because, um, I think it's true. And you just said, and I'd love you to talk more about that girls, they have that need to belong, need to be liked, seen much more than boys. Oh, yeah. And and we see the sexualized behavior online. It reflects offline again. And, you know, I teach a class to undergrads um, called Digital Media and Human Development at UCLA. 
And, you know, I go through this whole, there's this heterosexual script, which um, it's in the real world, right? Girls look sexy, boys pursue for sex, girls say no. We see it online exactly the same, you know, these, the girls still do this like, hey, and, and sexting, you know, they're, they're yes. the ones, boys work out a yes online to try to get a girl to sex them. It's called digital dating abuse and their behaviors, both sides, like girls, um, girls monitor boys and they stalk them and boys, you know, are pushy and there's, there's abuse there and sort of checking everyone online and girls are sexualized, you know, and I have a daughter, she's 20 years old and, you know, she's still on social media quite a lot. Posting well, she's still and, a teenager according to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and she's very aware of every single like and post and comment and heart and the way she looks. I don't know if your daughters make you take like, you know, or they do it 15,000 pictures before they post one. Um, yes. I was so uh, upset years ago when I was noticing my girls, you know, in middle school. And all of a sudden I was dealing with parenting things. Of course, my mother, Muffy, never taught me, but, you know, she, we didn't grow up with social media. So there were no rules or, or parenting advice about it. But um, I remember one of my daughters came back from middle school and said that some girl in their class had sent a nude photo to a bunch of boys in the class. And my response was, that's child pornography. Those boys are going to get arrested. And, you know, and then I went, oh my God, there's this whole other world I don't know anything about as a parent. And I got to figure this out because yeah. this is the new normal and I don't want to get my girls in trouble. And then one time my um, older teenage daughter was on Skype or something and this thing popped up and said, uh, hey, do you want to go on a date? Or oh. something popped up on her social media and it said, um, you know, hey, I'm a sugar daddy. I'm I'm going to buy you lots of gifts. You know, just crazy stuff because old, the old school way of looking at fears out there was – you know, my daughter would be walking down the street and someone would say, hey, I lost a dog. Can you get in my car? You know, yeah. that abduction. But now I'm terrified yeah. that social media is a trap for these young girls. So if you sexualize yourself, these predators are going to come hungry. Yeah. Yeah. They'll find you. I mean, they would find you offline. But, you know, you just said it in the old school way. They would have been able to actually grab you. Right. And the re the reality is somebody who meets someone online. So if like your, your daughter saw that and probably went, ew, gross and told you about it. Right. But yes. if it was a girl who was feeling needy and didn't have a good family life or was sexualized at a young age or abused, they might go and meet the person. But it's such a small percentage. I mean, in one year, like six, seven years ago, it was only like 25 cases in across the United States that got to prosecution. It's really, again, somebody who you can see it in their offline life, and then they use these tools, and then they do fall into the trap. But if you're not seeing it in their offline life, there's very good chance they're not going to learn. And it's really important parenting, of course, which my book says social media, social media, make sure you're there. And you as a good parent have set it all up with them and make sure that you know the tools as well so that they know when um, they should respond and how to respond, et cetera. And so should I be monitoring all their social media? Should no. I be on everything? No, <laughs> no. 
I'm I not. Mean, I'm not. But I'm. Well, I think you should sign up for their. I think especially at the very beginning in the first transition. So for my daughter, when she went on, she had posted a photo and she was very innocent at that age and posted a photo of her hanging off of a pole in our backyard in a little dress. And it was like a fireman's pole off of our fort. You could only see the pole part, right? So what does a pole make you think of? She's a stripper. yeah, Yeah. So like I had to sort of very carefully talk to her about things like that because she didn't have adult eyes. So I think at the beginning that she made a lot of mistakes. She's still making mistakes, but things because I was there, because I was watching, I wouldn't comment on the photos. You know that that will freak them out and they'll get really upset. But one of her friends posted about shoplifting, you know, publicly and, and, you know, things like that. You just sort of talk to them about what are you posting? What are you not posting? And, you know, there are real consequences now for this generation for college. Um, Yes. I've heard that a lot. I mean, I've really, I've heard a lot of stories like that. And uh, even it happened in, in my girl's school too. Same thing. It's, it's, they somehow think that if it's on their Finsta or Insta, like somehow that's private enough that it's not going to get out. But again, with the, with the selfies and the attention and this kind of attention on yourself. And believe me the the, when I see on other teenage girls, social media boys saying like, you'd be hotter if you had bigger boobs or all that kind of stuff. I just think, oh my God, it's so hard for them in general. But um, but this leads to, you know, even more body images and food issues and plastic mm-hmm. surgery. T- talk about that mm-hmm. a little, because that's mm-hmm. another concern. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the sad thing is they get validated for those bikini shots So, you know, if they post a shot that's just their friends hanging out or a landscape shot, um, they don't get as many likes. They don't get as many comments. They get validated for it. So becoming becomes this cycle. You're going to post more and more to Mm -hmm. try to get people to like you. Um, What they have found, though, is that posting selfies in and of itself isn't necessarily related to any of these negative outcomes, um, you know, and it's not necessarily related to lower self-esteem or body issues. But editing your selfies and sort of obsessively thinking about your selfies and taking many, those are related to negative issues. So one cautionary um thing to talk about possibly with young people is talking about editing and why they're doing it and why they're filtering and why do they feel a need to look better. And I just want to say by editing, you mean like Facetune and all these apps that can make completely morph your image. Yeah, exactly. So those, they, they do find that girls who, um, you know, obsess over taking selfies and then um, Facetune or, or edit, they, they filter, they put filters on, et cetera. Those girls have more body image issues. And we're also finding it with boys too. And you, you may know with boys at a younger and younger age, many of them, we have a little, a kid, my, my, my friend's kid, he's seven. He's like, I'm fat. And he's not, I mean, it's so sad or where's my six pack? Like, you know, I mean, the thing is these images are everywhere now, right? They used to be in magazines and on TV, but now they're everywhere in their lives 24 seven. So they do impact kids in very sad ways sometimes. And by the way, that it impacts me as an, as an old lady, because there are times when 
I've had a, you know, a picture taken of me or I took a selfie and my daughters go right onto Facetune and they fix me. And I go, <laughs> don't fix me. Don't fix me. I don't want to, you know, I remember once we were posing as a family on the beach and my daughter fixed my body, like literally, like all of a sudden oh. I had a waist and, you know, my legs were longer. And I said, don't do that to me because I, I am proud enough. I'm fine with who I am. I don't want to project this image, but it made me nervous that that was her, that that's what she wanted to do. That was her yeah. automatic go-to thing with the picture, you know? Yeah. Well, the um, culture's telling her that and her peers are, but I mean, ultimately you're the strongest person in her life. So, you know, she may be going through those teenage years where popularity and all that peer influence is very important, but she's going to come back to hopefully that strong self-esteem that you're role modeling. But the majority of people are fine. Okay. So we're okay there. Oh, God. Yeah. Life is okay. It really is. And, and it's funny because, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but now that they have media 24 seven, they're sort of let loose. There are a lot of kids that are like, I don't really want to be on it today. I'm sick of it. You know, can we do a puzzle? Can we hang out? Um, so, um, well, so God, we're not there yet. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, I really can't wait. I'm getting nervous because, and, and let me, let me just first ask you this with the, the consumerism that's so inherent in Ooh. social media, my um, teenage girls follow a lot of social influencers. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I do if I had a daughter that said, I want to be a social influencer. First, yeah. I have to look it up, but then I'd have to. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I, mean, I don't they're know. everywhere. There are micro influencers. I have 20 undergrads in my lab. I'm pretty sure a few of them are trying to be social influencers. Um, and, and maybe that's a legitimate occupation is. in the future. And I have no reason to judge that. And, you know, maybe that's it a is. thing. So, so I would say, you know, what do what are you trying to sell? And mm -hmm. if you're trying to sell your body, that's a different thing than trying to sell your comedy or trying to sell your political point of view, or trying to sell your, your creativity. Um, there is a study that I thought was very interesting um, that showed that um, girls who followed, so here's something you can do and try it. Make Ed. your girls follow like four other leadership type women, women that are, you know, like, if, you know, that are, or, or influencers that are not doing it with their body. So that these people start showing up in their feed and they have reinforcement and are learning from other sort of points of views, really smart comedy or Michelle Obama or whoever, you know, role models. And, and apparently that does start to get them thinking about different ways of being. But if they're not, if they're only following these sort of traditional, stereotypical um, influencers that are, you know, doing the makeup tutorials and all of that, that's all they'll see. So right. you got to get other things into their feed, say, okay, it's okay that you do that as long as we talk about it and you sort of, we can look at a few together and try to understand what's, here's what I see. What do you see when you see that really sexy picture? Right. Um, and then, but I want you to put a few other people, follow a few other people. So it's kind of the old magazine model because, you know, when you'd get Marie Claire or some magazine, yeah. you know, it's all gorgeous, sexy women, but then there'd be an article about yeah. like Syrian refugees. So you feel like, okay, it's not all about how good my thighs look. Um, but I think that's a great idea. Yeah. 
I don't know if you've heard, you know, social comparison, I talk about in my book, Mm -hmm. an upward social comparison, which is when you um, look at someone who's ahead of you on whatever markers you, you know, it could be they, they're really successful in sports or they're really gorgeous, whatever you care about. And it can inspire you or it can make you feel really bad. And often it can make, cause you'll, you're like, I'll never get there. I can right. never do that. I'm too. And, and it, you know, I mean, all of us are subject to that. I'm subject to that all the time. And social media puts it on steroids, right? You know, so if you can make it, have people that are maybe sort of at a level where they might be able to reach, um, right. that's so not a Nobel effective. Peace Prize winner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you I, can have those too, but it's interesting yeah. during this pandemic, with uh, Black Lives Matter, that there was kind of a shift, I noticed, with teenage girls especially, that they kind of got off themselves for a little while and they were becoming little activists. And I think that was also because there was a mainstream sort of need and popularity about doing that as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, we can't count on movements to come around and, and sort of have our teenagers... I know. Yes. I wish we could, though. I'm like, why is it not continuing? I, I, I mean, I think it is. And, and honestly, I think this generation, which is amazing, this generation um, really does care more about social causes and social issues. And because of the tools of the Internet, more voices are out there. I mean, you know, we do work with studios on um, representation and you know, we've seen that there's a lot of people talking about changing representation and changing who the gatekeepers are and really Mm -hmm. changing the executives. And they have more voice. I used to be a movie executive. And when I was a movie executive, we would never talk about that. Like nobody considered it. Um, And it's so prevalent now. And I think this generation that's very multicultural under 18 is um, minority, majority minority. So people of color. That's fantastic. I, know. I mean, it is. I mean, you can see it. Uh, I mean, I saw a shift in the pandemic, but I can also see it now on from talking to my kids and their friends and what they're watching, that their need now is a different yeah. thing. You know, yeah, they want goodness. euphoria. They want they want deeper All American. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is a which is a great thing to see. And it makes me yes. think that maybe this kind of narcissism when it comes to themselves and social media will change too. It'll be less about the visual and more about the voice. You know what I mean? Yes, please. I agree. And and we even saw, like, we looked at how many, what the top shows were last year versus the pandemic. And it changed. It completely changed. And All American, which is a show I love, um, was not a top show last year, but it became a top show in the pandemic because people were trying to learn. And it's a great show. I mean, it's it's a teen show. It deals with all the teen issues. Um, you'd think I'd be selling it or something. But um <laughs> yeah. I mean I think that, you know, I'm I'm sort of worried about the negative, but there are, are a lot of positive things right now about social media in the pandemic. Now a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Madewell. 
Ready to step up your denim game? The experts at Madewell use premium fabric and the latest denim technology to make super comfy, never want to take them off jeans in fits and styles for everyone. The kind of jeans you'll reach for again and again. Get $20 off your online jeans purchase by using code SPOTIFY20 at madewell.com. Terms apply. Please see madewell.com slash promos for full offer details. Welcome back to Go Ask Alley. Let's get back to the discussion. One of the things that I saw with my own kids, which was so amazing, was there was no FOMO. My girls had no FOMO. Everybody was in the same boat. They weren't missing a sleepover or a party or anything. And they were so relaxed. I, I didn't realize how much that consumed our social lives. Yeah. FOMO is a bad one. And, yeah. and, you know, again, it's, it's social comparison too. That's the same thing. Oh, I should be out. I should be doing that. I should be with those people. But when you don't see that, oh, everyone's at home or we're only talking one-to-one or in a little group, then you don't, you feel better. Yeah. So yeah, no FOMO, but also We actually teach talent at Disney. We teach actors Mm -hmm. and we teach them life skills. And we did our first class with them. And I thought they were going to be really upset because they weren't working and the parents were going to be upset. They were so relaxed and so happy that they didn't have to go 24 seven. Right. They were actually enjoying the family time. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of great things. I mean, you've, you've seen it too. Lots of people are like, you know, let's not lose everything when we go back. Yes. Yes. I saw, I mean, even George, my husband and I, and our kids, now that things have opened up a little bit in New York, you guys, I know it's horrible (laughs) in California, but things have opened up a little bit in New York and we're having all kinds of anxiety about, oh God, do I really (laughs) want to go back out there? I mean, and my teenage girls too, like I didn't even want to go to all these parties all the time, or I didn't want to, you know, so we're, that is posing a big challenge. But the other positive thing was certainly when we were quarantined, there was a lot of uncertainty and fear as there still is about Mm -hmm. what the world is and what it looks like. And it's scary. And I think that a lot of kids got to go on social media and just watch stupid YouTube you know, TikTok, TikTok. Yeah. TikTok. In (laughs) fact, every time at dinner, we would talk about the pandemic or something political. My younger daughter would go into this weird TikTok trance where she would just like her (laughs) arms would start moving and her head. And we go, oh my God, we've lost her. And she's in TikTok world. But that was her safety place. It really was. That's where she would go to not think about, you know, the end of the world was, you know, what we were all feeling. Yeah. And you know, the thing about TikTok, which I think is different, definitely different than Instagram is people are willing to sort of, you know, look silly and do silly things. And those are a lot of things that trend, you know, there's a lot less sort of positioning of themselves and, and it is pure entertainment and, you know, people can rise to the top, just sort of just being who they are. It feels a little more authentic. I did notice, uh, I had a few friends my age, and I would look on social media and I would see that 
they were doing a TikTok with their kids, you know, yeah. and I go, what are yeah. you doing? She goes, it's a yeah. pandemic. I'm losing my mind, you know, yeah. but yeah. I think it was another thing that families were, sh- were sharing. Totally. Too. There were so many people doing dances. I mean, my daughter t- posted several of us. She was like, it's a thing, mom. It's trending. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it did get them, you know, it, they're so insular with their social media that TikTok yeah. did sort of open it up a little bit. And they're yeah. not humiliated by their parents, you know, doing something with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, are they able now to, or have you seen studies where they're able to take social cues from being online? Yes. Yeah. They're learning social cues from this stuff. I mean, I just did research. I released a study um, earlier this year where we found that kids today, sixth grade kids today versus from 2017 versus 2012, they can read nonverbal emotional cues and photographs, um, expressions of people in photographs better than kids before. So which what that tells you is that they're learning from this stuff. They're looking at this stuff and they're learning. We're not seeing it. I mean, I don't know a study about video, but you know, we've seen We've done studies around television. You you do learn. And there are certain ages where they can learn it more. Um, you know, so there's very young children. It's very hard for them to learn from video. But as they get older, they do. They're, they're learning. So right. that's the good news. It's kind of scary sometimes because, as I said in my book at the end, I don't want us to turn into Wally. <laughs> where we're all inside eating and only on virtual um, right. devices. But the good news is during this pandemic, it's helping our teens um, and tweens meet their developmental needs. And what about empathy? Empathy, you know, it is best learned face-to-face and in real life where you can, because there are a lot of social cues you can't get Mm -hmm. from um, even video. Like we're doing a study right now where we're actually looking to see if you can learn um, emotional learning more on video because everybody's on video now. Mm -hmm. So we think the pandemic might've changed it. Um, you know, but, um, the reality is, you know, there's so much more you can learn because we, from a, an entire situation, you know, and even like, I'm not really looking you in the eyes right now and you're right. not really looking me in the eyes. And it's weird to ha- be looking at myself on camera. There's right. all these weird things that I hope you're not, not online shopping while we're talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, look at that. I got a bikini. No. So So Yelda, can you give me a few things as a parent that I should be looking for when it comes to my teens and social media right now in the pandemic? What are a few things that are worrisome? Well, lack of sleep. They could be on those TikToks and social media all night long. Try to get the um, phone out of the bed, the devices out of the bedroom. Yeah, I think if you really see that there's an issue, sleep has the you know, one of the strongest connections to mental health issues um, and anxiety and emotional regulation and all sorts of stuff. So, and media in the bedroom definitely impacts sleep. Also too, that they're just, they're not using it to socialize. They're not using it to communicate. There's a theory called rich get richer that um, extroverts use social media to connect and have fun. And, you know, they're, they're using it in positive ways because it's just another communication tool. But there are plenty of people that may be using it just to space out. They get more and more obsessed about scrolling, scrolling, looking at the photos. You know, it's not healthy. Okay. And, and you, that doesn't mean necessarily you take the phone away because um, it can be 
something they feel very strongly about that does connect them friends, but you really should talk to them about it and maybe get treatment, you know, maybe have them talk. It's very easy. It's much easier to do online therapy now. So, you know, things like that, that, um, you know, if you see issues where they're, they're just separating and using this tool to isolate versus communicate. Okay. And my last question to you, are you giving us parents permission to be a little bit lax right now that we're in a pandemic with social yes. media? Okay, yeah, good. Totally. And mostly, most importantly, I mean, we, you just have to understand that they need to be with friends. And as painful as that is, sometimes, you know, in the old pre-pandemic life, when they were on their phones all the time or rejecting you because they wanted to go out, that is what they need to do to grow up safely and healthy. Because kids under 18, if they go into solitary confinement, it actually impacts their brain development. And that is because they need to be around people in a way that adults don't. So we are, you know, by having media, they're allowed to connect and they, they're using it to create too. Even if it's not, you know, even if it's a TikTok, it's still fun and something right. that they're doing. I am totally giving, uh, mainstream <laughs> media was not interested in like, you know, letting parents off the hook. They always want to write about the negative effects, but the reality is there's so much research out there that says, you know, I don't know if you know about the study where they looked at mental health and, um, and teens and social media, and they found that there's a teeny negative effect for people who use social media way too much, but it's the same negative effect as eating a potato. Is that a negative effect? Eating a potato? Exactly. <laughs> eating a potato has the same effect on your mental health as being on social media. Oh my God, that's so much better than I assumed. Yes, it's so much better yeah. than you assume. It really is. But the word doesn't get out there. So um, thank you for giving me this opportunity well, to share that Well, thank you for being so optimistic. <laughs> I, you know, I was just like, social media was just a way into sex trafficking to me. But now I'm like, okay, it's okay. It's actually positive. It's okay. They can be activists. Okay. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Yelda Ools. And um, thank you for being with me. And I, I now that I have your email, um, I feel bad for you because... I'm going to bombard no, you with send questions. Me any questions. I'm Especially happy to since answer. they're teens till they're 25. Jesus. Okay. Thank <laughs> God for you. I could talk to Dr. Yelda Wools all day about so many different things, but that's the end of our time. I would love to get up right now, but I have an obese dachshund on my lap and I'm afraid if I wake her up, she'll bite me. Don't forget to subscribe. And follow me on my social media on Twitter, Allie E. Wentworth, and Instagram, The Real Allie Wentworth. Okay, promo queen. <laughs> Go Ask Allie is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Oh.